there, this is another edition of the probe. And like they say, the barrel of the gun is dark. And it's for a reason why it is dark. Tonight on the probe, we focus on the illicit and licit acquisition and possession of small arms and light weapons. That's what we're talking about tonight on the probe. Well, we know that in Ghana, we are described as the safest in terms of security when it comes to the sub-region. But this trend of firearm-related crimes is always reversing the positive gains that we make as a country. Well, that's our focus tonight. We take a look at um, small arms, the possession of it, why you are keeping that particular small arm, the manufacturing, that's illegal manufacturing. We take a look at the importation and the proliferation of these small arms in the country. You know that these small arms lead to terrorism elsewhere, amongst others. We have piracy, that and more when it comes to the acquisition and and, uh, possession of these illegal small arms and light weapons. My guest tonight is from the Ghana National Commission on Small Arms and Light Weapons, Mr. J.B. Asante. You'll be joining us, so we'll delve deeper into it. When you can own a gun, how you can get it. Do you even know when to get a gun? And why do you even need a gun? That and more is on the probe tonight. Your questions are always welcome via social media platforms. Hashtag the probe. We're live on the Joy News channel. Also on Joy 99.7 FM. We're on myjoyonline.com and all our social media platforms. On DSTV is 421. Go TV channel 144. I am Enmefa Apau and this is the probe. Please, let's talk about guns tonight. Stay with me. and tragic problem. Every year, thousands of people, including Ghanaians, lose their lives or are injured because of small arms. Some people usually use small arms when there is misunderstanding. But guns are not the solution. They only make the problem worse. Guns only make you vulnerable, not powerful. Gun violence is a threat to our peace and development. Let's silence the gun, not our future. Let's choose a safer and more peaceful path. Let's say no to guns. Join the fight to end gun violence now. This message is brought to you by the National Commission on Small Arms and Light Weapons.
welcome back. This is The Probe here on the Joy News Channel. We also enjoy 99.7 FM. And like I said, this evening we are talking about uh, the illicit and illicit small arms and light weapons, so the possession and acquisition, the risks involved in it. And thankfully, in the studios tonight is the Deputy Director, Policy Planning, Evaluation and Monitoring, the Ghana National Commission on Small Arms and Light Weapons, Mr. J.B. Asante. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a long time coming. We've been hoping to talk about guns for a while now. Ah. But it's good to have you in the studio. So I've been looking around you and I see that you didn't bring any guns with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but that's just by the way. I hope yes, you're doing well. yes, I'm doing well. I hope you are doing well too. Okay, let's yeah. talk about our gun situation mm. in this country. Okay. I'm sure it's something you've been fighting for some time now. Yes. How bad is the situation? Paint a picture to us. All right. Thank you very much. Um, first of all, let me say hello to my executive secretary, Mr. Samuel William Yabua. Um, he's quite new, and uh, public education is his heartbeat, really. It's something that he really wants us to talk about, because just as you asked about the situation, you realize that it looks like um, day by day the situation is getting um, kind of worse than it used to be. Um, the last time we conducted a baseline survey, to know the situation in this country was 2014, okay. where it came out by the estimates that we have about 1.2 um, million illicit weapons in the system. Um, since 2014, this is tw- we are in 2023, that is almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. So looking at the situation, it is possible it could be more or it could also be less. It is difficult for us to really estimate the total number of illicit weapons in the system. But I'm sure when we hear of stories like what we've heard today or yesterday, Mm -hmm. you know, then we really have a cause to worry because we realize that these um, illicit arms are in the hands of people and they are using them to do all kinds of things, you know. Mm -hmm. So that is where our worry is as a small arms, a commission that is mandated, you know, to see to the control of illicit um, weapons in the country. And that is why we are so happy that uh, Joy is having us tonight so that we can talk to Ghanaians and educate them on the threats, the risks that we all face if we don't do something um, about the situation because we really need to do something about it. We are just going for elections, for example, just to elect leaders. And you see people pulling guns and, you know, shooting guns and even killing, you know, with guns. That is not something or the way that we should go. Because we know what has happened in other countries, you know, because of elections. And uh, how people were killed, you know, how dreams were killed, and people's future were destroyed and all that. We are all looking for development. And we know when we use these guns, you know, when there is little misunderstanding between us, we know what the guns can do. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in Ghana, we know the situation, what is going on uh, up north. You know, it's something that is not helping those communities that keep fighting using these weapons. So as a small arms commission, it is something that really um, we are concerned about and we want to see what we can all do, you know, to help make sure that we don't go the way other countries went, you know, that took their development um, far, you know, away. So as a small arms commission, that is um, something that uh, the new leadership is looking at, you know, um, to do, to sensitize a lot of Ghanaians, to know that, there is danger, you know, in weapons. So it's not something that you should always crave, you know, to possess one. Even if you are going to buy it licitly, uh, legally, mm-hmm. you know, it has its own implications. So we don't just 
um, decide to own a weapon. Some will say, I want to use it for self-protection, yeah, you know, and all that, yes. But um, I, I don't know. I've, I've been in this business for some time now. I don't know how many people really have been able to use their weapons to protect themselves when really, you know, there is that situation. So I think that we should rather see other ways of protecting um, ourselves instead of resorting to the weapon. And also we should try and build peace. We should try and dialogue when we have our own misunderstandings instead of using weapons to settle our differences because the, the weapon can never settle our differences. Mm. Well, we talk about um, the classification of these small arms and the light weapons and you were talking about an incident that happened yesterday and today. I'm sure you're talking about the Exim incident where uh, the police has issued a statement and the number of weapons we are told that was retrieved from this man um, are some of the issues that we'll get into and also get into our audience questions shortly because we have a number of them. But what really do you classify as small arms, light weapons for most people who do not really know about these particular weapons? Yeah, thank you very much. So when we talk about small arms, usually we go with the UN definition okay. because it came to a time that every country had their own definition for small arms. Mm -hmm. Some even included cutlasses, mm -hmm. axes and all that. Mm -hmm. So the UN came with a, a, a definition, a standard definition. So when we talk about small arms, all we are talking about is these guns that are manufactured for use by one person. Okay. So any gun that one person can fire, we classify it as small arm. So it could be the pistol or the revolver, it could be the pump action gun, it could be the single barrel, the double barrel rifle, the AK-47 that our um, security agencies are using, the G3 rifle, even the submachine gun. So far as it can, the weapon can be fired by one person, mm -hmm. then it's a small arm. Mm -hmm. And then when we talk about light weapons, um, interestingly, we are t referring to weapons that are fired by two or more people, okay. but we are saying it's light, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yes, so by definition, small arms is those, are those that are designed for use by one person, okay. and then light weapons, those that are designed for use by two or more people. Okay, yes. but these arms, really, um, they listed ones. What are the sources of it coming into the country? Because we've seen some conflicts in this country, and like I said, referring to this particular incident and the kinds of weapons that are retrieved. And we've heard experts talk about the kinds of weapons that are used in these conflicts, chieftaincy conflicts, and then also other conflicts that we've witnessed in this country. Where really do these guns come from? Thank you very much. Where do these guns come from? And that is also one of the reasons why we want to talk, you know, um, so, first of all, one source that we have identified has got to do with the porous bodies. Okay. You, know, you know how porous our bodies are, you know, and uh, so people are able to smuggle or traffic these weapons into the country and sometimes also out of the country. Mm. So that is something that is really a border and a concern. Um, sometimes, too, they get into the country through our ports, okay. all right? Some people are able to um, hide them in all kinds of things mm. and they manage to bring them into the country. And those people, I'm sure probably they are thinking that we are just doing business. They are just looking at the monetary aspect. But we should consider the security and the danger aspect of what we are doing. The weapon that you have brought into the country, you don't even know which people the weapons will fall into their hands mm. and the kind of things they can use the weapons for. Right. So I am using this platform to appeal to our brothers, our uncles, our fathers who are into this business of supplying these weapons 
to people in the name of self-protection that we should all be circumspect about the whole thing. All right, because the weapon you are giving to somebody today will cause havoc to you tomorrow. So we realize that the, the borders, because of the porous nature of our borders, that is one, um, one source of these illicit weapons. Now, again, we also realize that our blacksmiths, mm-hmm. you know, they also have learned, you know, with time mm-hmm. how to produce these weapons. And some of them do that underground mm-hmm. because per the law, it's a crime. And so if you do it and the police get you, they will arrest you. But interestingly, with overtime, they have also learned, you know, how to make sure that they beat the system. So they do these things underground. And it's very difficult to be able, you know, to identify those who are really manufacturing. But I'm sure once in a while you do hear that some blacksmith has been arrested with a number of these um, weapons, you know, that he has produced, you know. So that is also another source of these weapons. Now, sometimes... Um, the police are, um, are able to see some of these illicit arms and we help them to trace to the source of these weapons. Mm. Some of the weapons realize that they were coming from some of the armories of the security agencies from our neighboring countries. Okay. You know, because of the war that happened in some of these countries, you know, Cote d'Ivoire, you know, what happened in Libya, and some of the weapons, you know, just trickled down, you know, and they are able to bring some of the weapons here. And per the ECOWAS, uh, convention on small arms and light weapons. All member states are supposed to mark, you know, their weapons, okay. all right? And because some of these neighboring countries have marked these weapons, when they come into the country and the, the police seizes and we go to do the tracing, then we see the marking, then immediately we know this wep- these weapons are coming from, you know, these countries. Yeah, so sometimes that is how they manage to get some of these weapons um, into the country. From right. which country do we have the highest tracings that we've done so far? Do we know? The, the highest so far um, has been um, Cote d'Ivoire, okay. all right, because of what happened there, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. So some of their weapons got into the system, mm. and then with time, somebody also needs money to do something, and then he sells the weapon to somebody mm. who brings it into the country, you know, and they use it to do all kinds of things. Mm. Um, it is also believed that some of our arms dealers, Right, I don't have the evidence yet, but it is believed that sometimes some of them also do sell these weapons to some people without going through the normal process. Okay. And if that is true, that is also dangerous because then you are also contributing to the insecurity, you know, in the system. Mm-hmm. And I think if anybody is doing something like that, there is a need for the person or to that for that arms dealer to make sure that um, they put a stop. Um, to that because they don't help our security um, situation. I don't know if this has been brought to your attention also since we are talking about um, people who are actually selling illegally. We are told that there are some so-called big men who are also behind fueling this conflict by providing arms to those involved or factions involved in some of these conflicts that we've witnessed in the country. Has that also been brought to the attention of the Commission? No, I mean, we, but we hear, just like you are saying, it's something that we, we all do here. Okay. Yes, but as to whether it is true or not, we cannot tell. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure, just as I'm saying, mm-hmm. I mean, if it is true, then they should also know what they are doing um, to all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, we are contributing to the insecurity in the system. And you may never know, tomorrow... Um, that same weapon, you know, could kill a, a, a loved one, mm. yeah, or could kill a family member. So why would we want to do um, such a thing? So we think that we should all be thinking about our safety, our security, our development. Think about the interest of others, 
and make sure that all those who are doing things like that, if it is true, I think we should all try and make sure that we put a stop to those things. Well, how challenging would you say it's been um, for the Commission and all the related agencies to be able to trace these illegal arms in the country? I know it's been very difficult because you talked about the figures that you have from 2014. Yes. As, until then, we don't have any um, current figures after 2014 yes. on these arms. Really, how difficult has it been? And are we hopeful that we'll be able to get a hold on this situation? All right. So it is, it is very difficult, especially where the weapons um, does not have any marking mm. or doesn't even have any um, uh, serial number. You see? Then it is difficult to trace. Mm. Sometimes the weapon has a serial number, all right. Okay. But, you know, it came from somewhere, ended up somewhere, and it has moved on to another place before you found it, where there are no proper documentations. Mm. Then the tracing becomes a bit difficult. Mm. Okay? But if it is something that had some documentation, like I said, that has some markings, then it becomes very easy for you to trace. Mm. And then also, let's say, if it's a registered weapon, somebody acquired a weapon legally in the country and registered it, Mm. the police has information on the weapon in their system. So in that case, if we find the weapon anywhere, and we realize that it has these markings on them, or they go into their system, and they can find a weapon in their system, then it becomes very easy mm. for you to be able to trace, you know, to the owner of the weapon. Mm. But if not, and it came through the ports, for example, like I was saying, mm-hmm. and the weapon did not get to the police for them to get the information on the weapon, register it in their system, mm. then it becomes very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that has been the challenge. All right, that has been the challenge. So what we need to do is to try as much as possible to see how we can prevent some of this trafficking that is going on, you know, um, along the borders. Okay. Yeah, so as a commission, for example, we are now moving to the borders. We are establishing offices there. We are deploying officers, training them and deploying them to make sure we get them the right um, logistics and the equipment okay. to be able to detect some of these weapons at the borders and also at the ports. Uh-huh. That will help us to be able to curtail the inflow of these illicit weapons. But if not, and they get into the system, and they get into people's hands, even when you recover them or retrieve them, it is not that easy to trace where they are coming from. Mm. Yes. Well, I'll get into the audience question, because um, like I said, a number of them, but really, what is the threat that we face with the acquisition and possession of these illicit arms in the country? Thank you very much. So um, I mentioned earlier that, especially when we are going to elections, mm-hmm. we remember um, last year, I think November or December, we had internal elections, and people decided, some young men decided to go for their weapons, you know, and to fire some shots. For what? All right. So it is something that all of us should be concerned. It has even, we have gotten to the situation where people are even just having a normal celebration and they want to fire weapons, mm-hmm. and then accidentally they kill somebody. All right, this is something that we should all be concerned about. Um, we know that usually during our traditional or cultural of uh, festivities, we know that normally we used to, especially the chieftains, you know, they would fire some, you know, uh-huh, gunpowder, which which was harmless. But these days we see people using live ammunition, and they are firing everywhere. Mm-hmm. It is something that really calls for concern. So all of us should really, really be concerned. That is the kind of threat that we face. 
So if we are going into elections and everybody wants to arm themselves just because uh, we want to make sure that they are not going to cheat us and all that, you know, then if you are not careful, the peace that we are enjoying, you know, it is something that a time will come and we will realize that that peace is no more there. Mm. And then we realize that we are drifting and moving into, you know, the arena where some countries found themselves so many years ago. So we are trying to prevent, all right, we are trying to prevent the situation where Ghana gets to a point where everybody is pulling guns because we have some scores to settle. But that is not the way to go. At least let us learn from what happened in other countries around us. Did the gun bring any solution? It did not. And then also those who, um, the least thing, oh, I want a weapon to protect myself. I need a weapon to protect myself. Look, the weapon, uh, when you get a weapon, it doesn't really give you that kind of self-protection that you think it doesn't? It gives you. Mm. No. You see, it has some psychological effect on you. And so the least thing, your mind goes to the weapon. All right? So even in situations where your, your life is not really being threatened, you feel like going for the weapon. I, I remember last year there was a video that was in circulation. They had accosted this um, suspected trafficker mm-hmm. whom they suspected of trying to tra- uh, traffic a little girl. And they were beating him and all that. And I saw this gentleman holding his pump action gun, you know, amongst the people. And the suspected uh, uh, kidnapper had held the uh, pump action gun and they were struggling over the gun. You can imagine what could happen accidentally. He thought that, oh, I have a gun. So even in a situation like this, I need to go and bring the gun. You see, it doesn't help when everybody wants to own a weapon. And that is why we are seeing what we are seeing you know, in places like Boko, a lot of people have weapons. So the least misunderstanding, somebody goes to pull their weapon and wants to settle some score. But you see, even as you kill somebody, uh, somebody's family member or somebody's beloved, the person will not also let the matter just lie. The person will want to also make sure that he also kills somebody. And then it continues. So if everybody pulls their weapon, before we realize we are killing one another, is that what we want? I don't think that is what we want. So we, um, as, as Ghanaians, I mean, let us appreciate the relative peace that we have in this country. Mm. Let us appreciate the relative development that we have. We want to develop and move on. We want to advance. But if we bring in these weapons, definitely it is not going to help us, especially the young ones, the youth, all right, um, who are because of political elections, they always want to brandish weapons, you know, almost everywhere. Very soon we'll be having internal elections and then leading to the general elections next year. Mm-hmm. We are going to have uh, primaries to elect, uh, you know, flag bearers and also yeah. to elect parliamentary aspirants and all that. We want to beseech the youth. This is not the time to pull weapons. This is a, a family something. We are brothers and sisters. We just want to go and then indicate who we think should be our leader. You don't have to go fighting. If, we, if there is anything we don't understand, let us sit down, let us dialogue, let us jaw jaw, mm. all right? And make sure that at the end of the day, if it is political party A or B, we are the winners. And at the end of the day, it is Ghana that will become victorious, all right? Instead of pulling guns and fighting because I think you want to cheat, somebody says you did this and you did that, it doesn't really help us. So we should all try as much as possible to make sure that what other countries have experienced we don't experience it. We are surrounded by Francophone, you know, um, countries. 
if we should become refugees now and we should <laughs> carry our staff and move to Cote d'Ivoire or, 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 or Togo or Burkina Faso. I mean, you can imagine. Um, a lot of people say Ghanaians are very hospitable, all right? But I'm not too sure if we, we, we will experience the same thing if we should find ourselves as refugees, you know, in other countries. So this is something that we all want to prevent so that we'll be able to go about the things that we do every day and we enjoy the freedom that we have we want to continue to enjoy yes. that mm. yes now that you you mentioned boko on this show sometime back when we we're talking about the protracted conflicts the issue about intensifying weapons for community development or for cash came up and i would want to find out the status of that um, how has it been has it helped in any way in terms of that uh, particular measure that we're hoping to you know uh, implement Weapons for community development. Mm. Yes, that, that is a very brilliant idea. Um, currently, I'm not too sure which particular department or unit or ministry okay. is undertaking um, that project. Mm. But you see, the Boku situation as it is, it is difficult to be able to get to that specific aim or goal. Okay. All right? It takes a long process. Because first of all, you need to build that confidence. You need to build that trust. You should be able to get the two sides to agree that now we think that there is no need to fight anymore. Okay. And we should be able to have confidence in each other. They should be able to have confidence in the, you know, the security agencies and all the other stakeholders. And then they themselves must agree that we think that we have fought for some time now. And it is not helping us. Mm. Let us put our weapons down, all right? And even give them up so that these weapons will be destroyed in exchange of some development programs. Uh -huh. So that is something that can be done. So I'm sure it is something that probably, I'm sure we are still in the process. I know um, a lot of negotiations are going on to make sure that the two factions, you know, will, will lay down their weapons and come to the round table and talk, you know, and make sure that, they have peace. Okay. Normally, weapons for cash, it is not something that we encourage as a commission. Okay. Because normally, when you tell somebody to bring you his weapon for cash, first of all, he's going to make sure if he's getting any cash, that cash should be more than the, weapon. the cost of the weapon that he, he, you know, he has. And probably he will bring the weapon and get the cash. And probably go and buy even more sophisticated weapon. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. So normally, we do not encourage this weapon um, for cash thing, yes. And also, before somebody will bring his weapon even for cash, then it means that he can be sure of his security. He can be sure that if I turn in the weapon, I don't need any weapon anymore because I think I am safe and it is not something that I really need. So let me turn it over and then, make, uh, and, and then you know, get the cash. So we will encourage uh, exchanging weapons for some development program or for something that the, pe the person really needs that will help the person's personal development rather than giving cash. cash okay. Yes. Well, let's get into um, the first part of questions um, that we have uh, tonight. So uh, this one from AC uh, starts with what is the procedure for acquiring and possessing a gun, i.e. a shotgun and a handgun or sidearm legally, uh, she's asking. And we have this one from Emerald. Can one buy a firearm from a blacksmith or anybody? If no, why not? Uh, Emerald, I think you've been speaking to that. And Arabna says, what does the law say on public display or discharge of firearms? 
That's a Rabna's question. And we have this one from Pakusi. What is the position of the law on the transfer or sale of small arms by I, a person who is not a licensed dealer and a licensed civilian, civilian arms dealer? And that's Pakusi's question. Yeah, that's enough for now, right? Okay, let's take Amma's question. And it says, can one inherit a firearm through a whale? Well, uh, let's deal with this batch, and then uh, we can take some more. Okay, so okay. Uh, maybe uh, we'll start from Amma's, Amma's question. Can one inherit a firearm through a whale? Okay, yes and then no. Yes, in the sense that, yes, somebody can will his, his or her weapon um, to you. Let's say your uncle or your dad has a registered weapon and decides to will it to you. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you can own the weapon through that will. But it's not automatic. Why? Because you also need to go through a certain process. So the process that your dad or your uncle went through to be able to acquire the weapon, you must also go through the same process. So if you go through that same process and you are cleared that, oh, MFI is somebody that would think can be given a weapon, then you can own that weapon. How do you determine that someone is um, rife to be able to hold a weapon? So that is is where you have gone through the process. And then the police, you know, um, determines that. Mm -hmm. So um, somebody asked about the procedure. And I'll I'll come to the procedure. Yes. So the procedure, as it is, um, in some countries, actually, civilians are not allowed to possess weapons. It is only left for the security agencies, you know, to protect you know, and also to make sure that there is order, you know, in the country. But when you come to Ghana, mm-hmm. our law permits us to possess weapons. Okay. That is the Arms and Ammunition Act 1972. Mm-hmm. All right? So if you're a civilian and you want to possess a weapon, the law allows you to do that. Now, there, there are three reasons why the law will allow you to possess, acquire and possess a weapon. One, that is if you want to use it for hunting. Mm-hmm. Two will be if you want to use it for self-protection. And then three will be for protection of valuable property. So these are the three things that the law talks about. Now, the law says that you must be 18 years and above. You must be physically and mentally fit. So you will go to the police, first of all, if you want the short gun. So let me, let me, um, let me explain the difference between the shotgun and then the handgun or what others call the side gun. So when we talk about a shotgun, that is a long one. The pump action, the single barrel, the double barrel, you know, that I mentioned earlier. And then when you talk about the, uh, the side arm or the handgun, we are talking about the pistol and the revolver. Of course, they are all small arms. So when it comes to the shotgun, you go to the police. Okay. They have a unit called the firearms registry. That is where you go. Every police district, they have um, a firearms registry. So when you go they will want to know why you want to possess a weapon. Mm-hmm. If it falls within the three that I mentioned, they will take you through the process. So they will make sure that you are mentally fit. All right? They ask you a few questions that will help them to determine whether you are mentally fit or not. You must be physically fit. They will, they will see to all these things. And then again, like I said, you must have the means all right, to purchase the weapon. So what do you do? What work at all do you do? Why do you really think you need a weapon to protect yourself? All right? The law, again, says you must be of good character and repute. All right? So they look at all these things. They check your background. Yes, they check your background. So they will do your do background check, make sure you don't have any criminal record. They will do all those things. 
all right sometimes they even come to where you where you stay ask a few questions about about who is mfa and uh, and all that that will also help them to determine whether really you are somebody that can own a weapon or not so when they do all that background check and you are clear then they will give you a permit a permit you take to a licensed arms dealer we have licensed arms dealers in this country who are also authorized to import these weapons mm -hmm. and their weapons are under lock okay they have a lock the police also has a lock so we have two locks on the uh, private magazine where we have the weapons okay. and you realize that no arms dealer comes in the open to advertise their yeah, weapons their, their, their shop exactly because the law does not allow that because you have to go through a certain process so if you go through the, that process and you are clear then they will transfer that weapon that has been willed to you into your name so the weapon will be registered in your name and then they will issue the license for you so okay. that is why i said yes and no no in the sense that if you do not qualify if they take you through the process and they realize that no you are not somebody that can handle a weapon then you cannot have that weapon it even though it's been well to okay, you but we have yes. instances where people just circumvent this whole process and they still get that weapon circumvent mm -hmm. well i would not be able i will not be able okay. to speak to that yes okay okay so um that's ac's question and then amma's question answered in one irabna is asking what does the law say on public display or discharge of firearms okay so section 7 of the arms and ammunition act 1972 does not allow the public to just display arms you know mm -hmm. in the public okay why why are you displaying your arms in the public why are you firing shot in public mm. right it poses danger to others mm -hmm. uh -huh. so the law does not allow that so let us take note so if you know of somebody who lives within your community and he's been brandishing his weapon and firing warning shots you know some sometimes some of these young guys he has a registered weapon all right and sometimes even going to the beer bar you see him having the weapon there and the least misunderstanding he brings it out fires fires one you know one warning shot it is not right. Is warning shot even allowed? It, it's not allowed. Okay. It's not allowed. It is only allowed when, like we said, you really think your life is in danger mm -hmm. and you need to scare your attacker away. But we have people at night before they sleep every night. They then they will, yes, that, that, that is wrong. And it's, it's also very dangerous because you, you, you may not know where the bullet will even land. Okay. All right? So it is, it is not something that is advisable. But just as you, you buy the weapon to protect yourself, then if you realize your life is really at risk, then maybe you can fire a warning shot okay. just to scare the people away, mm. but not just to be firing warning shots. Mm -hmm. It can get you into trouble. Okay, so yes. Emerald is also asking, can one buy a firearm from a blacksmith or anybody? If no, why not? You've been talking about okay. the blacksmith issue. Yes, thank you very much. So bla the blacksmiths are not allowed to produce um, mm. weapons. Nobody has been given authorization to do that yet. At least not yet. So if you go to buy um, a weapon from a blacksmith, it means you are going to buy an illicit weapon. And when the law gets you, the law will deal with you. Um, according to the uh, Criminal Offenses Act, Section 192, if you are accosted with a, a, a gun or a firearm without authority, that is a first-degree felony and you can go in for a minimum of 10 years. Mm. So you realize that it is really not worth it. You know, going through the back door to buy a weapon in the name of self-protection. Mm. Now, if you even buy it in the name of self-protection and something happens and you use it in the name of, I use it to protect myself, definitely the matter will go to court. You have to prove that indeed you use the weapon 
to defend yourself. Then after that, you also need to show us where you got a weapon from. Do you have documents covering the weapon? Do you have a, a license covering the weapon? You don't. So then you realize that you have put yourself into a serious mess, all right, by going through the back door to acquire a weapon. So it is risky, really, to go um, and buy a weapon without going through the legal process. It is something that we should not be doing. Unless maybe you have criminal intent, then that one, the Small Arms Commission cannot advise you. But if not, and you are a genuine Ghanaian who thinks that I need a weapon to protect myself, then there is a procedure that you need to follow. Now, let me quickly add that if it is got to do with the sidearm, mm -hmm. uh, the pump, uh, sorry, the pistol and the revolver, that one, it is not the police that you apply to. You apply to the Honorable Minister for the Interior himself. Mm -hmm. You apply to him. They will do, uh, they will, you go through the same process that I said. They will come and do your background check and all that. And if you qualify, he will give you uh, an authority that you take to police to be given a, a, an import license. The import license will allow you to import the weapon into the country. Why am I saying so? The law does not allow the license dealers to sell these small weapons, the, the pistol and the revolver. So if anybody sells a pistol or revolver to you, you should know that the person has sold an illicit weapon to you and that can get you into trouble. But let me also say that as a small arms commission, we don't even encourage people you know, to go, even go through the legal process to acquire. We realize that a lot of people at the end of the year, and in fact, let me also add, when you get the license to possess the weapon, at the end of every year, you are supposed to renew your license. Now, what we realize is that a lot of people have these registered weapons, but they don't renew their licenses. And one of the reasons that I have got to find out is that usually, you see, for a whole year, he hasn't even used the weapon. For somebody, even where the weapon is being kept, he has not even touched the weapon. And then at the end of the year, I'm supposed to go and pay something to renew it. So, do you really need a weapon at all? So you realize that it's not something that you really need. And it's also a huge investment. Going to buy the pistol or going to buy a pump action, you know, it costs a lot. We can invest it. If you want a pistol, I know um, when you import and you go through all that, at least it's more than 12,000 Ghana cities. If you want to buy a pump action, I know it's more than 9,000 Ghana cities, around 10,000. So you invest so much in a gun, and you keep the gun there, and you are not using the weapon for anything. Somebody was complaining, every year I have to go and renew. Why can't you do something about it? And I say, do you make a personal assessment of the situation. Do you really need this weapon? Mm -hmm. So we don't encourage people, you know, to even go through the legal process to acquire. Of course, we will discourage people from acquiring illegally. I say, if you really do your own personal assessment and you think you really need a weapon, then make sure you go through the legal process. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that people should really uh, want to do. Because one other thing that I also say, if you know, for example, that you are quick-tempered, <laughs> why would you even bother to own a weapon? Because the weapon will definitely put you into trouble. Before you realize, you pull the trigger without realizing it. Before you come to your sense and realize, hey, what have I done? Uh -huh. So but if you don't have it at all, you know, it's, it's, it's good for you. So people should not be thinking, oh, I need a weapon to protect myself. I need a weapon to protect myself. Let us look at other ways that we can protect ourselves. Let us see how we can help the security agencies to protect us better. Because I know some people also complain that, you know, the kind of protection that we are getting. But we can, it can be better if we all collaborate the security agencies and support them to do it better instead of everybody wanting to own a weapon. Yeah.
Yes. Okay, I'm sure Yao at some point will pull up what the revolver and the pop and shagun and that we've been talking about, maybe on the screen for us to see. But Pakwisi's question, I think you've answered the first leg, which is a person who is not a licensed dealer, um, whether the position of the law on the transfer or sale of small arms by one, a person who is not a licensed dealer, and two, a licensed civilian arms dealer. Maybe briefly you can touch on that, then we can go for a quick break, and then we continue. Thank you very much. I think somehow I, I mentioned it, that if you are so the only person that you are the law allows you to acquire the weapon from is a licensed arms dealer you need to go to him with a, a permit from the police so if the person is not a licensed arms dealer then he has no business selling any weapon to you so it is criminal actually but how would i know if the person is a licensed dealer or not yeah because like i said they have a magazine where they keep okay. their weapons and it's the police that will even lead you there when you are going with a permit you'll be accompanied by a police officer and you go and the dealer will open the magazine and give the weapon to you. Okay. So if I say I have a weapon somewhere in my room or somewhere and I'm bringing it out to sell to you, I mean, obviously. You need to do your check. Exactly. You, get exactly. you must get a gun at all. So you've answered Amma's question also on the whale. So let's take a quick break here on the probe. And we are talking about the acquisition and possession, possession of illicit arms, um, the threats that we face. At least by now, uh, you know. Uh, what we are faced with in terms of a possession or acquisition of an illicit arm. I'm here in the studio with Mr. J.B. Asante, his director, deputy director, planning and monitoring evaluation of the Ghana National um, Small Arms, the Commission on Small Arms and Light Weapons. Let's take a quick break here on the probe. We'll return with more. We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alexa in my bag. Alex, what? Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio, Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM. Love FM. Live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM. Or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play. And then the name of your favorite podcast from Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, Tune in, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated.
Welcome back. We are on the probe and we're talking guns uh, tonight. And Mr. Javier Santo is still my guest in the studios. And before we went on the break, a number of your questions we took. Um, it, it looks like we just have to go into the next batch of questions so we can take more answers uh, from you, the public, on uh, what your questions are, what you think you want to know when it comes to acquisition and possession of arms, both illicit and illicit. Yeah, so we have Frank's um, question, and it says, should or can people have confidence in the security agencies instead of resorting to acquiring firearms? Another one, this is from Yao, it says, are there any risks in acquiring illicit small arms to protect yourself? And Maxwell says, what is the penal sanction for illegal possession or possession without authority? You have more? And Alex says, what should one do if they don't want their firearm anymore and they intend to dispose of them? Kweku says, what is the role of the general public in the fight against the proliferation of illicit small arms and armed violence? And Haruna has this one, what is the commission doing to address the challenge of illicit small arms in the country? Okay, we'll take a final one. This is um, Mohamed Alassan. It says there's a need to intensify weapons for community development, which is uh, capital intensive. Is government committed to embarking on weapons for community development to minimize the arms proliferation in these uh, conflict areas? There's also the need to beef up security at the various borders, especially at unapproved routes. That's where most of these weapons enter into the country. So this is more of a comment and um, suggestion as well. And we've been talking about this particular uh, weapons for community development issue. So, Mr. JB, let's start with Frank's uh, uh, question on whether um, people can have confidence in their security agencies instead of resorting to acquiring firearms. It looks like it's something you've been touching on before we went on the Yes, yes, I think so. I think we we should be able to have confidence in our security agencies. Um, Of course, we know it's not a perfect situation, but they are doing their best. Um, now we know police visibility, for example, has increased. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of police, uh, you know, um, men and women around uh, or in our communities to make sure that, you know, uh, we have that security and we have the safety that we all want. So please let's have some confidence in the security agencies instead of resorting to these weapons because uh, they could really be a danger um, to us. Okay, we have um, the next uh, question. Yao yeah, says, are there any risks in acquiring illicit small arms to protect yourself? Yes, and, yes, and, yes, yes. I think I even mentioned yeah. one earlier. <laughs> and then also um, one thing that we should also realize is that illicit arm, uh, weapons in itself can make you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Alright, so like I said, the least thing you feel like reaching to your gun and using your weapon, mm-hmm. which can put you um, into trouble. Mm-hmm. There could also be accidental firing. Right, you can kill somebody by accident, or somebody can even get access to their weapon, you know, and shoot somebody. Mm-hmm. There have been these instances where you see children playing and they get hold of their father's weapon, and mm-hmm. you know, as a kid, thinking that is probably some toy gun. And let me also say this that parents who have been buying toy guns for um, their boys, we should try and desist from that okay. because the more we do that, we create a certain mentality for them, you know, because these weapons do not kill. Isn't it? They just some some of them have water. You know, they go around playing with it. So as they grow and they see, uh, you know, a, a proper weapon that can kill, they still think that oh, this but this weapon it doesn't kill. And before you realize, they pull the trigger, and your your child is gone. Hmm. It, it's something that has been happening. So we should try as much as possible to make sure that 
we, we resist from this. Now, again, if the police accost you with a weapon and they ask you for the license and you don't have, they can easily mis- mistake you for a criminal. Probably you may not even not be one. You, for all you know, just went to buy a weapon to protect yourself. So there are a lot of risks, you know, in acquiring weapons illicitly. And it can also land you into jail, like I said. You yeah. can go to jail for a minimum of 10 years. And, and, and what has happened to your future? Mm-hmm. What has happened to the dreams and all that? So it is something that I think we should all try to desist from. Okay. Yeah. And um, Alex is finding out uh, what one should do if uh, they don't want their firearm anymore and they intend to dispose of them. Okay. So you've acquired a weapon um, legally. They are taking your you, advice. Maybe we don't want to take it. Yes. Them. So you, 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 you have a, a license, but you don't need a weapon again. The law allows you to transfer the weapon to someone else who needs it. Okay. That is one. That is if you want. You go to the police, they will go through the same process, and if the person qualifies, they will transfer the weapon to the person. Or you can also just decide, I don't need a weapon anymore, and I don't, I'm not looking for any financial benefit, even though I spent money in buying it. You take it to the police, oh. and then you just let them know that, well, I bought this weapon, but I think that the weapon is of no use to me. I don't need it anymore. The police will take custody of it, and at the right time, they make sure that <clears throat> the weapon is destroyed. Oh, okay. Yes. So you can donate it um, to the police. They won't use it. You, no, they will not use it. You just go and give it to the police. That is the law. Okay. And they will take custody of it, custody of the weapon, and make sure at the right time the weapon is destroyed. Okay. Yes. Well, before we come to the role of the general public, which is Kweku's question, let's take the, the commission, what the commission is doing to address the challenge of these illicit arms in the country. Okay. Thank you very much. So um, one of the things that we are doing is the public education and sensitization yeah. that you know we are doing for which reason we are even here tonight mm-hmm. um the goal of the commission is to promote a gun violence free society so what we are promoting is peace in our communities we want the situation where in every community there wouldn't be any gun violence we'll have our peace we'll have our security to go about our normal things you know without any fear without looking at our back that is what the commission is promoting. And so we are educating Ghanaians and sensitizing Ghanaians mm-hmm. for all of, for Ghanaians to see the dangers involved, you know, in these illicit weapons that we are acquiring. And also for us to know that um, if we want our development to move on, if we want to, uh, you know, sometimes we compare ourselves with the developed countries, mm-hmm. but we will get there, you know, gradually if we make sure that we do the right things. And we take out you know, conflict, armed conflict, armed violence, they all don't help us. So we need to do that. So one of the things that we are doing is the public education and sensitization that we are doing. Um, very soon we'll be launching our ballot without bullets. Like I mentioned earlier, we are going in for internal elections and we shouldn't wait till 2024 because even in internal elections, people pull guns and that is not something that um, should be done. So as a commission, it is something that we are doing. Again, like I said earlier, we are also trying to see how we can prevent the weapons from filtering in along the borders. So we are moving to the borders. We are setting up uh, offices, um, deploying officers there, equipping them to make sure that they will be able to collaborate with the other security agencies along the borders and see how we can stop some of these weapons from entering the country and getting um, into the wrong hands. Mm-hmm. All right. Again, we are also trying to engage the blacksmiths who are another source of these weapons. Mm-hmm. So what we are trying to do is to group them into associations. So okay. definitely you cannot identify that Kweku or Menu is manufacturing. 
But if we bring all of them together and we, we sensitize them, we appeal to their conscience, those who are doing these things will see the need to put a stop to it. And then we can also even use the associations to monitor you know, the activities. And they will also even help us. They will collaborate with us, collaborate with the security agencies to be able to get those, the bad ones who are manufacturing these weapons illegally, to put a stop to it. Again, we are collaborating with the uh, Ghana Police Service, for example, and we are making sure that if a weapon is seized from any crime scene, any crime scene, we help in the tracing to make sure that we can get to the source of the weapon so that we make sure that um, such sources of you know, weapons, we have the right interventions to make sure that it is not something that is going to continue. So with um, this continue. Uh, Axim 1, for instance, you're yes. going to collaborate to be able to trace... Sure, so we are going to collaborate to the, uh, with the police mm -hmm. to, know the, the, to have a look at the weapon and see if it has some serial numbers mm -hmm. and all that. We'll go into the police system mm -hmm. to make sure whether these are registered weapons you know, or not. Okay. So that is something that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, we've also helped the police to mark you know, their weapons, uh -huh. so that it becomes easy if you find these weapons anywhere. I think about two years ago or so, we heard about these secessionists in the Voltar region that were able to get hold of some police weapons. When the weapons were retrieved, it was easy to realize or to find out that these are the police weapons okay. that were taken away because they had been marked. So that is also something that um, we are doing you know, as a commission, mm -hmm. yes, and okay. other things. Well, let me bring in um, some questions also on our Facebook feed and live. This one from Kwame Osayesiedu. It says, can we attribute some of these proliferation to the traditional and chieftaincy institutions? What does the law say about public display and warning shots firing during festivals, at least? You've spoken to the second part of yes. the question already. So he's asking if we can attribute some of these proliferation to traditional and chieftaincy institutions. And the traditional and chieftaincy institutions, well, we know they have their armories. And normally these armories are very well guarded. So we cannot say that they contribute to the proliferation of these weapons. Because normally the weapons are well kept okay. and they, they, they make sure that they, whoever gets the weapon, you know, is accountable for whatever weapon that goes out there. So we cannot really, you know, attribute the proliferation problem. Part of it to them. To the chief yes. institutions. Okay, so most of the questions I see there, uh, we've touched on it. So finally, briefly, um, to the general public, what their role should be. At least if we are doing see something, say something. That's right. At this, but are we employing that also uh, with guns? So which one is this? Yeah, yeah has put um, uh, the, the... This is, this is the revolver. This is the revolver. Yes, okay. this is the revolver. Yes, okay. that's the right. revolver. Well, whilst yeah. we see that, uh, and this is there's a pump action this gun. A pump action gun. There's okay. a pump action gun. Unfortunately, our radio audience are not able to see that. Yes. What TV audience, you can see that. But so yeah. to the general public, we are almost. Thank you see. very much. So to the general public, I mean, like I said, when it comes to security, it's not only the responsibility of the security agencies. It is the responsibility of all of us. Our mm -hmm. safety, our security, it is something that all of us should be concerned. The security agencies cannot do it alone. When you go to the developed countries, take America, for example, we hear of some of the things that happen there. They have all kinds of sophisticated systems, and yet people manage you know, to get hold of weapons and use them to do all kinds of things. So as civilians, it is something that we need to collaborate with the security agencies and make sure that we fight this um, battle together. Okay. All right. So like uh, national security is doing, you see, if you see something, you say something. Of course, it is, it is, it is part of the things that... Um, 
the see something say something is is really about because you know the, the see something say something is particular about these violent extremism activities you know that has been happening around us and we are making sure that it doesn't get you know into these countries and normally we know the tools that are used are these small arms okay, okay. Uh-huh. so if you are a civilian and you see something is going on you know you see some people uh, playing with guns or you see people and the way they are holding guns you don't just have to keep quiet okay. all right you have to make sure that you alert somebody to make sure that we prevent anything or any untoward thing that can happen to all of us so let us join also in the public education that we are doing we have brothers we have sisters um, what you have heard when you go will you also uh, you know talk to them you know those who are using weapons and even when they are having a, a normal celebration and they are firing shots and all that let us talk to them to put a stop to it because when it happens and ghana is hit with this armed conflict it affects all of us all of us are going to suffer one way or the other so as citizens as Ghanaians, let us all help and join in this um, education and let us also talk to our brothers our fathers and our uncles especially with these elections that we are going to let us all join in the ballot without bullets campaign okay we are just going for elections we are not going to for a war, uh, for a war. okay thank yeah. you so much mr jvs thank you also Deputy director policy planning evaluation and monitoring ghana national commission on small arms and light weapons my guest on the program in this edition. Well, Prime Take is up next for our TV audience. Our radio audience is a walk with Jesus. I am MFR Paul. There's more when you log on to myjournalline.com. Many thanks for your company.